Welcome to the Every Thought Matters podcast, where I get a chance to talk to people about their thoughts, their journeys, and have a little fun and hopefully learn something about ourselves along the way. So please click like, subscribe, leave a rating, leave a comment, and thank you so much for listening. It truly means a lot to me. Have a great day, and remember, every thought does matter. Today's episode of the Every Thought Matters podcast is with J. Eddie Peck. You may know him from The Young and the Restless or Days of Our Lives or All My Children, Dallas Back in the Day or Dynasty even, and a whole host of other TV shows and films. However, he's a successful actor, of course, but a model, a businessman, a rancher, a husband, and a father, and so much more. We cover all of that in the game show Family Feud. Yes, Family Feud somehow came up in this. So tune in and listen in to the incredible stories of a great friend of mine, J. Eddie Peck. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And have a great day, and thank you for listening to the Every Thought Matters podcast. Hey, how are you, Jay Eddie? Long hey, time no see. Well. Welcome to my Every Thought Matters podcast. <laughs> yeah, hey, exactly. it's great to be here. You know, I appreciate you accommodating my my schedule here. You know, uh, I know we had scheduled uh, for yesterday. Yep. And uh, as it turned out, I had two things. Not only was I been moving my son. Uh, he's got a house about 85 miles away. So he's been home since the pandemic, but he just got a new home. And that's down in Newport Beach. And then also my physical with my doctor, which I haven't had a physical in two years. That's oh, in boy. Newport Beach, about five minutes from his home. So I scheduled everything. But what happened was my doctor had canceled two appointments on me last minute. Last week and a week before, they set it up for Tuesday. And I'm like, I take it. And I didn't even think that yeah. that was out for you day. So I apologize for having to yeah. schedule on you. Kelly. Dude, doesn't matter. We're here. We're talking. It's good. I don't, I, that's what matters to me. But you and I, and you know this from your acting background, you know how to live in the present moment. So let's just enjoy the present moment. All of that, that's the, the past. So how you been? I'm the other than the little bit of a hectic schedule, how's life treating you? How, so, yeah, I, I'm doing well. Uh, my family is doing well. Uh, the pandemic, obviously, tough for everyone. And uh, right. out here in California, in particular, you know, our mm -hmm. restrictions went in in mid-March of a year ago. And we mm -hmm. still have mask mandates. Even through, we open things up on June 15th, but the mask mandates extend beyond that. And I know uh, when I talk with friends in other parts of the country, they talk about how, well, actually, yeah, no one really wears them here. They didn't really, or if some people do. And I have yeah. to say that out here, the Californians, all folks, I mean, even our homeless folks you see on the corner are generally wearing a mask. And yeah. uh, it's amazing uh, how everybody kind of got with that, you know, to slow down the spread. But, you know, other than those inconveniences and everything, my family, uh, my wife and our two adult sons, uh, you know, we fared pretty well. I have a brother-in-law, Kelly, that that moved down from Northern California. He's a first-time homeowner. He's retired. 
and he's rented his whole life. He's He's got a background kind of like yourself. He's been an IT guy uh, for Abbott mm-hmm. Laboratories for 30 years. He retired a couple of years ago. <clears throat> and last year, he decides to go out. He moved from Northern California to the L.A. County, and he goes out and buys a 40-year-old fixer without oh having me with my construction background to inspect it. Right. <laughs> so he buys it. He calls me right after he buys it that day and says, come take a look at it. I went the next day and I said, oh, my gosh, Al. I said, this is a this is a it's not been maintained in 40 years. Everything except the roof and copper plumbing need to be redone. Everything it had to be gutted. So make a long story short. Uh, I gutted this home and uh, and rebuilt it, you know, t- you know, remodeled the whole home inside and out Uh, had a company come in and redo his pool but i did all the work myself because of covid and because my brother-in-law that i'm speaking of uh, actually uh, discovered two days after closing on this home that he has terminal cancer so here my goal was keep him safe get him into his new home so he can enjoy it uh, as much as he can and uh, so I was busy from basically April uh, through Thanksgiving, wow. uh, six, six and seven days a week, long days. Yeah. Uh, and I have to tell you, I really enjoyed it. had a great time. I just felt thankful that I wasn't sitting around and uh, just watching YouTube. And even though I enjoy doing that, uh, I just was, <laughs> I was happy to be busy, Kelly, and doing something yeah. different. You know, just doing something different. I, I do lots of, uh, I have lots of hobbies of building. That's, I've, I've yeah. built a lot of my homes and things. I'm real passionate about that. I know. But, you know, you don't want to have to do it every day, all day, or at least, at least for me. But that was right. an every day, all day. And uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, but I have a lot of respect for people who do that for a living. Uh, so do I, because seriously, I'm not good at it. I know I'm not good at it, but as you know, I'm good with computers. So I know what yeah. I'll, like, I, 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 you know, I now have this amazing job as a barista and I work with people who are 20 years old and I know more about computers than they do. Yeah, I know. You have a, you have a, you're working as a barista? Absolutely. Uh, it's just a, yeah, we haven't talked in a while, but yeah, I'm a barista at this local coffee shop here in Rockport. And I love owner... that, Kelly. Kelly, no, I... a... go ahead, go ahead. Why, why? I want to hear you because you know me and you've known, we've known each other for going on 15 years, give or take. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kelly, I love coffee. I'm a coffee nut. Right. And I talk all the time about opening up my own coffee shop, coffee brand. I obviously don't know enough to do it, but uh, my youngest son has been in the mortgage business and insurance business, and and he's like me, you know, he's 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 okay at that kind of thing and behind the desk all day, but he's like, Dad, I really would like to own a coffee shop and and just have a real great specialty coffee shop, and I'm like, Dude, let's do it. I'll do it right. with you. And Kelly, you know me, I love to talk, and I love yeah. engaging with people. <laughs> Yeah, and if I didn't yourself. have a bed and breakfast, I'd like to have a restaurant or a coffee shop or something to where I could really be hands-on, not so much in the back, but really hands-on out front. And yeah. a crazy thing, uh, Kelly, 
uh, when I met you, you know, I, I lived on ranches for 22 years. I had two different ranches out here in LA. And my last ranch, I sold that uh, almost 10 years ago. And uh, it was the perfect bed and breakfast uh, because I had a 2,500 square foot uh, barn guest house. And I was just mm -hmm. a quarter mile down my private drive to Vasquez Rock State Park. And back then, you know, we were, they were just kind of getting into the B&B thing. Yeah. And I just kicked myself for not hanging on to that property. I've been on ranches for 22 years and it was just time for me to stop playing rancher and start playing, hey, let's get serious so I can retire someday, guy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now we look back, oh gosh, we should have kept it because I could yeah. never, never afford to buy it back. But, uh, the, but anyway, uh, uh, you know, that whole sort of, um, you know, bringing people into your home, making something special for people, engaging with them. I love that. And I, you're, you've got to be awesome at it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And what's really great about it is it's a coffee house. It literally is a, and being no, you know, construction, it was, it used to be a two bedroom house, two bedroom house. Oh, I love it. Patio and the, and it's a house, but yet there's this state-of-the-art coffee bar in it where we make, you know, every type of latte you could possibly imagine. And I now, you know, I'm six weeks into it, know how to make a lot of specialty drinks from, you know, a flat white to, you know, a frappuccino. So yes, it's yes. great, but it's my, it suits my personality, you know, so it's wonderful. My owner never... Like she used to be a, a therapist and literally she was out, her and her husband and her kids were living in LA at the same time I was in LA, which is kind of weird. And we talk about how serendipitous that is, but then she got out of that. And now she, she's just like, I got in, I got to open a coffee shop because we didn't really have like a nice coffee shop here in Rockport where you could go and sit on your, you know, jump on the Wi-Fi and have a cup of coffee or have a conversation and, yeah. That's what we've done exactly kind of how you described it. And she did that never knowing what a coffee shop is or what type of machine to use for your, your trussos and what type of machine, to, all of that. And she went out and did all of the homework. Wow. So, that is very cool. And she's a barista, a very good barista. Very and, good. And, and Kelly, may I ask, uh, just not to talk about that, about her too much, but where does she get her training? Uh, some dude in Houston, I think. Literally, there's a guy in Houston, like, who taught her how to use this espresso machine, and they have a way that we're, it's, it's actually an espresso machine imported from Italy. Literally. Yes. I kid you not. I know the good ones are 15 grand and whatnot. Uh, something like that. I don't yeah, know. I've never crazy. researched it. But she had no idea about it. Just like, you know, what I... It kind of goes down to the point why I like you and wanted you on my podcast is because you've done so many things. You've done construction. You, you know, obviously have this incredible soap opera acting career. And then I learned today just researching you. You were on Dallas and Dynasty too, several episodes yeah. of each of one of those. And yet you just went and gutted a house. Now you want to do a coffee shop. You had a bed and breakfast. 
where does all of this energy come from? Because you have more energy than some 21-year-olds that I know. Oh, thank you, Kelly. And I appreciate that. That is a good question. Um, you know, Kelly, uh, I went to school for marketing. And yeah. a week after, uh, I started in radio at 17. I started doing live remotes at 16. And I had the very first live remote disco business in Joplin, Missouri, where I'm from. No, I never heard of it before. And I had a passion for mixing and blending music. And this was in, you know, I'm 62. And this was back in the 70s. And uh, disco was just getting really big. And we had a musician strike back in 1975 or 6. And uh, that enabled, oh my gosh, we can't get anyone for our basketball homecoming. Yep. Eddie Peck has this mobile disco business. Anyway, that got me yeah. started at spinning records and getting paid. And I went from there into doing live remotes for our uh, local FM radio station. And then we had a, a nightclub, a very successful company that had 13 different restaurants and nightclubs, mostly in the East Coast, come out to the college town, basically where I was at, and put in a brand new nightclub and restaurant. Mm -hmm. They brought a DJ in from Chicago, but they didn't have anyone uh, locally who knew how to blend music. He didn't want to stay there. He was really trying to get his professional baseball career going. He played for a triple A team. He wanted to get the heck out of where he was at working there for the first few months. And he realized, wow, there's this local kid. He mixes Mm -hmm. music. Make a long story short, I started in the nightclub business at 18, did it all through college. And uh, when I was there, I had met uh, a couple that were professional dancers. And I used to hire them to come in and dance on Tuesday nights and put on a dance presentation with their dance troupe. Yep. And they ended up coming to L.A. and they won Dick Clark's American Bandstand. They won the national contest. And after they were here for a couple of months, they invited me to come out. So I'm literally right out of school, right here in L.A. Yeah. And... uh, I, uh, the very first day that I was here, they went and did their day job. He was actually an architect and she was trying to get her acting and uh, dance career going here in LA. And so I, and they lived in a little apartment in Beverly Beverly Hills. Anyway, make a long story short, I had heard, found out from looking at an apartment about a national commercial. They were looking to hire uh, a diver as a principal in a national commercial. This was callbacks. I got a ride out to Pepperdine University to the diving pool, crashed the audition. And as I was getting thrown out, one of the ad clients said, I want to see the tall guy da- or, uh, die. I know I got the commercial. I got tapped Hartley. It's a Screen Actors Guild. They had to get me an agent that day because they wanted to hire this guy. He's not in the union. He doesn't have representation. So they found that all for me. Uh, tapped Hartley. He got me into the union. And the very next day I went out, I got really, really lucky. I landed a four commercial gig for Timex watches the very next day when they sent me out for the first time playing opposite of Rene Rousseau, the supermodel back in the day. So Kelly, I fell into the business. I didn't come here to get in the business. I really came here to pursue voiceovers and I just fell into the business. And I was very fortunate. Um, what enabled me to work a lot was at the time I had a look that was, was kind of popular, 
dark hair with blue eyes was kind of popular yep. at the time. Uh, I, I married an exotic girl and uh, my wife's very exotic. She was a model. I met her my first couple of weeks in town. But I remember at that time, she was one of the few exotic girls, you know, Yeah. Uh, that, you know, back then, uh, you know, uh, my look was was uh, a, a little more in demand. So uh, I was fortunate that I booked a lot of commercial work. I got into the print world uh, and having the, the success with commercials, the word got around the, the industry and got around the of agencies. Course. Hey, there's sure. a guy who books more commercials than anyone in this category. He's some kid from the Ozarks and uh, he ought to be an actor. Well, I knew nothing about acting and uh, I was afraid of it. I didn't know how they did it, but I have these people pushing me to go this direction. Kind yeah. of tipped my foot in there a little bit and thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll go on a couple of auditions. But Kelly, just to fast forward, I fell into the acting profession. And yeah. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. You know, I started working uh, right away, even with no training. I was fortunate enough uh, that I was so maybe well, I was so castable for those leads in the beginning uh, mm -hmm. that I had, I reoccurred on three series. I had a lead in uh a Western at ABC, we were up against Bill Cosby and Magnum P.I., a Western called Wild Side. I was the lead. And I had my first major release motion picture that I was a lead before I have ever had an acting class. So it wasn't that I was a good actor. I wasn't. I was <laughs> good enough. But after I got wet, my feet wet, you know, I yep. loved the business. And I said, yeah. oh, my goodness, I want to do this forever. I need to make sure I get really, really good training. Yep. And uh, that's when I got very serious and put my training before my work, before auditions, before everything. I turned down work regularly if it interfered with my acting class and me doing scenes for that day. Because wow. I knew I wasn't going to ever really have a career and enjoy this business and, and all of the uh, blessings, you know, that it, it could give me if I wasn't competitive and good. It wouldn't take right. long for the industry to find out that I wasn't a trained actor and I really probably shouldn't have been cast in those early roles. So uh, along the way, you know, here I'm a guy who went to school for business and yep, marketing. Uh, marketing and things. I was always looking at real estate. I, I had bought my first house when I was 19 in uh, my hometown of Missouri. And the reason I was able to do that because I made really good money as a DJ. I was a full-time student, but they paid me so well because I could bring people through the door and keep them there and make yeah. them a lot of money. And so I was kind of writing my own ticket back then. So I sure. bought a house when I was 19. And when I came to LA, just the, 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 the luck that I had early in my career, I bought my first home uh, at 24. I bought a a brand new uh, condominium in a private gated community in Newport Beach. I actually just sold it a couple of years ago. And then a year after that, I bought another another home up in L.A. Yeah. So uh, I was always working on things. Uh, I grew up. My dad uh, was a, a very handy guy. Uh, okay. He started flipping houses back when no one even knew what flipping houses was. 
And wow. he, you know, he kind of made me his guy, his roofer. I was his roofer. I would, I did the, the plastering. I did the drywall. You know, he taught me all of that kind of thing. So I always liked working with my hands. I used to customize cars and bikes. And I was always really uh, loving to create things with my hand. I still do today. I, you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't get over what I'm customizing today. But anyway, Kelly, uh, as much as I enjoyed my acting career, I always was wanting to do other things in conjunction with acting. And, uh, you know, I bought my first ranch uh, exactly 30 years ago, last month, 30, year, 30 years ago, last month. Before that, I always boarded my horses here in L.A. I would board my horses, you know, other people's ranches and this and that. So after selling a few things, selling a few homes, things, I bought my first ranch and it literally wasn't built. Nothing was done. It was a new home on a big piece of property. And I built everything and really enjoyed it. And, you know, was there about seven years and sold that and bought another. But same thing, you know, with a home that was 10 months old. And nothing was done, no fencing, no nothing. I built everything. And uh, yeah. I mean, everything from paving my roads to, uh, I had a pool builder come in and do my pool, but I would mm -hmm. build the big slide and, and uh, you know, all yeah. the boulders and the waterfalls. And all. I love to do, you know, stone work and, and anything like that. I enjoy doing that. That's, that's incredible. It's, it's Kind of interesting, considering your acting career and everything that you've not been on, like HGTV and had your own show there, because you know that so be you would not be. Thank you. I was so always funny. interested in that uh, when they were kind of taking guys at the time. Yeah, uh, you know, kind of taking the leading men that had talent and things. You know, there were so it, it became competitive really quick, and yeah. I got knocked around. I got you know considered there a few times. But what they were really looking for, Kelly, matter of fact, I would take my book in of where my property started and where it is today and show how yeah. I did. I took, I took pictures of everything. I had these, right, right. I had these albums and portfolios, actually presentations really? True. You know, for HDTV. And I sometimes think they probably thought, I don't really know he did all that stuff. <laughs> I don't really, did he really do that. But anyway, I think the thing was back then was they were really looking for hosts that had a thriving business for five years. They were licensed and certified and they'd already had a thriving business. Well, I wasn't a business. I was doing everything just for myself. And yeah, uh, I just think, I think that might've been yeah. one of the reasons why I just wasn't competitive enough to land a show, those early shows back in 2006, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, you know, when, when they were bringing in those kind of leading men type, you know, that were, you know, I yeah. look at those guys, heck yeah, man, that guy's been doing it for five years. He's handsome. He's great. And he's better at it than I am. So yeah, they should hire him. Yeah. But that's how <laughs> both you and I are. We all, especially in the, for that profession, entertainment profession, you always just want to nod your head and go, wow, that dude really nailed that audition. Yeah. You know, we're, but that's how you've always been. I mean, we, you know, for my listeners outside of the entertainment business, because this really is not towards them but you know dealing with class with you you taught me about meisner which was truthfully a thought-based acting technique you know because my coaching is about every thought matters but meisner is actually thinking about what was said to you and reverberating it back to the, the other person 
and you've always been a kind of guy that actually thinks about what you're about to say and delivering it. Has that always been your norm or is that just, you know, something that you were born with? Cause you seem to be very cerebral. Well, you know, talking about the Meister technique, one of the things that I've always found very interesting about this acting technique <clears throat> and sometimes non-actors may find it rather interesting I'll just preface it, uh, Kelly, by once again saying, when I became an actor, I knew nothing about the craft, the profession, how they do it. I went and see these actors do things in a couple of acting classes that I would sit yeah. in on and uh, audit. And I said, oh my, my gosh, these people are, how do they do that? Uh, I had so much respect for that. The reason why, Kelly, I don't know if I ever told you this, the reason why I always thought that I could be an actor it wasn't what the agents and managers saw, which is what they saw. Wow, this kid lands more commercials than anyone in, in his category. He must have some sort of talent or something. I didn't. I had a marketable look. But the other thing, Kelly, was that um, I was kind of, I was okay at a few different things. I was a horsebacker my whole life. I rode motorcycles. I played tennis you know, I'm not a good tennis player. I, you know, where I was from, it wasn't very competitive. And I played in high school and college. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I could do a few sports and things that, you know, when they get callbacks and they actually take you out there to see if you can really ride a horse or can you really ride a wheelie or can you really throw a football, I could deliver on that day. And yeah. so a lot of the commercials I got were because I could do something well enough that it thinned out some of the competition. But... Uh, as far as uh, acting, um, I believed when I was a kid, I, I just kind of recognized as I grew up that I was maybe a little more sympathetic than some of my buddies. And I mean, empathetic is maybe the word I'm looking for. They were sympathetic, but I was that guy who cried a movie. I could even cry at a sports event when I see greatness. Um, I just was kind of a softie. And I didn't know anything about acting, but I knew that when I went to see a performance in a movie that I would get emotional and I would place myself in this empathetic position with what the characters are going through. So there was something about that that drew me to the craft and, mm -hmm. and made me think, uh, wow, I think that I have the depth to, if I wanted to try and learn this technique to reach that depth, that depth. Uh, when they called action, not back in the trailer on the way to the audition in the car, but rather right now when they're ready to go. And uh, the training that I got, uh, I had a, a, a variety of training before I got with my Meisner coach. But the thing about Meisner, I didn't want to sidetrack us here too much. The thing about Meisner, Kelly, that's really interesting is in life, we have always been brought up and told that we need to squelch our emotions you know the old rob uh, uh uh was bob conrad who did the well you'd have to be in your 60s to know this but who did uh oh that television series wow wow west he would yeah. do these commercials forever ready batteries or one yeah, of the batteries battery on his shoulder and he said I, I dare you to knock it off never let him see you sweat you know he would do these commercials 
And that was an expression that was very popular in the 60s and 70s. Never let them see you sweat, meaning don't let people know that they got your goat or they got your number or they're ribbing yeah. you and you're reacting. Don't ever let them see you sweat. And right. in life, that's what we're taught. We are taught to not show reactions, squelch our emotions, not get right. angry when things happen. The Meisner technique, what it teaches us is the opposite. It teaches us to react. We look to react to the smallest thing. Even yep. the shift that I just did, you know, yep. in the seat because, because it's a little uncomfortable. Even the shift that I just did caught your attention and there's a reaction yep. there. So even the slightest things and then things that are said, uh, any sort of thing when we are encountering, we are trained within the Meisner technique to take and use all of these things. And we yep. take those in consideration with what our objective is and our goal is and our ambition is. And I won't go into right. the depth of what all of these different things mean to us and how we set those up as actors. But the thing with this technique uh, is that it teaches us to react. Acting, of course, you hear the expression all the time. It's all about reacting. And in life, it is about how well we handle adversity in real life. We want to be cruel, calm, and collective and not show that we're afraid or that right. you've made us mad. We're going to keep our cool. We're not going to lose our temper. When we watch acting, we want to watch people that are trying to contain it, but they can't take it anymore. We want to right. watch drama. We want to watch people deal with emotions and deal with pain. Right. And uh, so for me as an actor, um, and the other thing, too, I think the way that our brains work uh, and all of us, all of us human beings, I think that people who have a sensitivity, uh, my wife would have been a great actor. She she had a long, long, you know, gosh, 40 year modeling career uh, wow. and a lot of commercials and things. But she never got into acting and she really should have. She'd have been 100 times better than me. Um but uh, I know, uh, Kelly, uh, sometimes um, when I work with younger kids, especially if they're in grade school or they're in junior high, sometimes people say, well, I'm going to bring my child. And I can't tell you how often I heard this. Uh, I'm going to bring my child and they love acting. They've done a couple of school plays, a couple of church plays, and they, boy, they're into it. They're, they really want to be an actor. But my son has another friend and he wants to go too, but I just want to warn you, he has ADD. Yeah, um, the other, the, the friend, and he's kind of acts up in school a little bit. So you might want to keep an eye on him and I have his mother talk with him, but he's just kind of coming because he's keeping my son company or they're interested in, I would hear this all the time. And I'd say, oh, huh. don't worry about the kids with ADD or they're fidgety or they have a lot of energy because- Sometimes I'd have to say, generally, they turn out to be our best actors. Yep. It's because of the way their brain works. They're like right. this. They fire immediately. They react right away. They have a great yes. energy. They're not a passive personality. They're an active personality. Yep. And uh, when I work with kids, and I'm not currently working with children, I really love to work with kids. I just, I just kind of backed away from it just a little bit, but... When I work with children, 
I let them. They want to be on the floor and fidget around, right? But if they want to play with that one's hair as they're listening to me, or as long as they're quiet and they're not, they're not antagonizing the other student, which they're braiding right. their hair. Let them have. Let them be people. Let them yeah. have their. Let them be real within the moment. Yeah. I remember one time, I had a very, very, very probably the most successful kid coach in LA bring me in to do some guest teaching for him. And I would never say names, but uh, anyway, I remember he wanted everybody to act like soldiers. I mean, we're talking kids that were seven, six, nine years old, young kids that most children have, especially boys have a lot of energy at that age. Yeah, absolutely. And he was all about stand, look at that person's head, don't move, don't talk, don't squeak, sit up in the chair. It was, he ran it like the military. And I remember afterwards, I'd worked with him for t- twice. And I remember afterwards, we went out and grabbed a little bite to eat. And I said, hey, you know what? I kind of like give my kids a lot of freedom. You know, I don't really control. As long as they're not disturbing the people who are up on stage and they're right. just sitting there fidgeting a little bit or they don't want to sit in a chair. They just kind of want to walk, lay on the ground over here. Not near a performance, but they're over here, you know, yeah. out of the way. I let them have their space. I, I don't ride That's them. Awesome. I let them be kids. And I just tell you, those children always turn out to be great actors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and oftentimes the kids with a lot of focus do as well. But I think what makes interesting when we look at great actors, mm-hmm. um, people who can react, and when they, you know, our great actors don't just deliver the same performance over and over and over. Each yeah. take, each take, they might get something from the other actor that completely sends their reaction a whole other place. Maybe they right. laugh at an uncomfortable moment last time, maybe this time mm-hmm. it pissed them off. You know right. what I mean? But that's what yeah. the directors want. The directors, they want they want to see what you got. What can you bring? We're, we're deciding yeah. with the editor what take we want. But sure. we want Why not? real reactions and real moments. So not to talk about the technique so much, but uh, I think that's what's really, really interesting about that particular technique. And it, um, it's about reaction and I think it's and, delivers, you know, good performers yep. uh, performances rather by, by our, our actors and so many folks that we watch today right. use either that technique or elements from that technique. And these are the sure people that are telling that we want to watch. Yeah. Cause they're reacting to the moment and that's kind of a little bit about what my coaching practice is about is your thoughts do matter. So, and one of my favorite things about it is when you react to the moment, you, you kind of have almost watch yourself in that moment as opposed and to see how you react. So like I, I was, you were going and talking about that and I was just watching myself, listening to you and reacting and understanding my reactions to it. Cause that's a great way to get grounded to who you really are as a human. And then when you understand why you do some of the things you do in real life, that's where the change can happen because you're like, Oh, why did I react to that person texting me that, you know, when you start watching yourself, you react to those moments. And that's kind of the core of that Meisner technique is reacting to the moment and moving through it and watching it and seeing what happens. 
as opposed to I want to be this and being this person and talking like this or whatever. You just go and you're like, this is Kelly talking to Eddie and leave it there. I love yeah, that though. Yeah. Uh, in general, I think just being in touch with your emotions and the thing you've probably heard me talk about, you know, in our training in the past is the sense of entitlement, the self-entitlement. I always believe that we are entitled as human beings to be treated with courtesy and respect. Agreed. And, uh, and I believe that we have to look at ourselves. We have to teach our children. We respect people. We respect our fellow person. We respect our elders and our teachers and, and uh, we respect folks, but we too should be as people treated with courtesy and respect. And just because a kid is a kid, they too should be treated with courtesy and respect. Yep. And uh, I'm very thankful that I never had any disciplinary problems ever with my two sons, very fortunate uh, in that respect. Uh, but I always, I used to teach them and they never really knew it, but I would teach them a little acting technique along the way and how to handle the bully when you're in seventh grade or eighth grade and how to handle situations, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think the most important, the most important things was I always tried to help them to understand and take in consideration uh, where behavior from other people was coming from, whether it was directly, whether it was directed towards them or whether it was something they observed in someone else. Where is that coming from? Is that coming from a place of maybe a little insecurity where they have to pound their chest and feel this way? Uh, or is it, coming, is it coming from a place of pain? And at an early age, I, I was able to, I hate to use the word teach, but maybe to uh, share, you know, some of those observations with my boys to where they could step back out of a situation and assess where's this coming from. And it would help them wow. to deal with things so much better. And I'm just uh, so proud of them because they have, uh, they have just really had good success in their lives at, uh, getting where they wanted to go and achieving the things they've wanted to achieve uh, and helping others along the way and not uh, getting sidetracked when, you know, uh, maybe people stood in their way. And uh, that's what I've always really enjoyed about acting training for kids. We can teach kids to how to handle situation, how to handle adversity. And yeah. along the way, having them recognize, you know, who they are and how special they are and right. that they have the right to be treated a certain yeah. way, you know, in a positive, in a positive uh, manner. And, mm -hmm. um, and kids who generally have the training become more assertive. They learn how to step up, stand up and speak for themselves in a way in which we're speaking and advocating for ourselves. We don't have to be confrontational with that. We don't have to be challenging with that. We have to be assertive with that. 
And generally, when we are, those who are perpetrating things upon them generally find easier targets, you know. And um, so I've always really loved acting training for that reason. And, you know, my, when my boys got a little bit older, I used to tell them things that, well, that's actually the way we set that up and how we're going to deal with something that we know is coming towards us tomorrow. How are we going to deal with it? Well, that's what we do as actors. We set things up. We understand a moment. We understand the outcome that the story is wanting the character to deliver. In other words, we generally have a direction where that character is going and where we want to take them. And we set those things up. We set up our reactions. Now, our reactions are spontaneous as they are, Kelly, but the reactions are always the reactions of the character. There is some reaction from us as actors, but it's, if the reaction is us as actors, as people playing the character. Right. So and that, I don't know if that, get off and talking about that, but, but anyway. Okay. Yeah. But it's kind of a, an interesting thing because I think it just kind of turned on a light bulb for me because some of the acting training that I've taken, I've taken a lot of different kinds from auditioning to whatever. And it's, it really teaches you about yourself about how you react to certain situations too. And that can be a nice, whether you go into the business or not, that could be a nice barometer to help you go and deal with those situations and go, well, yeah, I dealt with that situation in action class. Okay, yeah, this is a no brainer yeah, to deal I, with this. It does, Tracy. I know when I really got into the depth of my training through mm-hmm. uh, uh, age 25 and up, really age 25 and up, Mm-hmm. Um, I learned a lot of things that I didn't know. Uh, so did I. I observed. I kind of stood back outside myself and looked at my life, my childhood, my family sure. in different ways. And I have to say, Kelly, uh, just in general, I was already a, a compassionate, empathetic person. Oh, mm-hmm. But my training and my journey in developing my my skill set as an actor really helped make me a better husband, a better father, and really helped me to um, yeah. a, 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 a much better father than what I would have been. Because I came from a lot of structure, uh, but but then again, I had a lot of freedom. I had structure yeah. from my dad, but real freedom from my mom. And uh, I really think that that my acting experience, my acting training really helped me to, yeah. to, to make much better decisions, too. better decisions as a, as a dad, you know? Yeah, I think I'm a much better person because of it, because it's just, when you go, like, I remember this one audition that I did years ago, and it was just for a short film for the Producers Guild of America. Uh, they had basically a 48-hour film festival way back when. And I was in Houston at the time, and I nailed that audition. I had five minutes to prepare, and the, the director and his uh, other guy basically said, you and you uh, read this, and we'll call you in in about five minutes. And I had my training with you. I had a training with several other people on, you know, on how to read a script, how to break it down. But I went in and nailed it, you know, and it just taught me so much about myself, about how I could get 
all of these emotions out in a short period of time. In, but yet, by the end of the audition, there was like, oh, you two need to hug this thing out because mm-hmm. we had hit it out of the park. So, and then yeah. I booked a role, but, and- Nice, Kelly. But I found out too, though, because what it does tell you about yourself when you go through all of this process is that red light turns on, that's when I get squirmy. I just, it's not my deal. And so I started becoming a producer because I, again, like the barista, I love connecting to people. And yes. it's so much, I find so much joy in creating a situation where I give the tools to the people that work for me or I work with and getting out of their way and letting them do their job. And as a producer in the entertainment industry, that's so much fun. That's yes. absolutely, I get so much joy out of that more than when that red light, I do like auditioning. That's fun. But that red light came on and I had like one line and that whole panic just sat in like right in the middle of it. I felt sorry for the director afterwards. I, mm. You know, cause it was like a, a, a you know, close up of me saying something in a classroom, but whatever. I just knew, but just like you, it just t- taught me where, what my gifts were. Cause that, that whole process of me going through there and I really wanted to be an actor and going through all of that taught me that this is my gift. My gift is talking to people, connecting to them and hearing their stories. So I do this podcast. I like, you know, this is a lot of work, you know, doing the, yeah. setting it up, getting book at times and, but sure. there's nothing like this. This is like being on set to me. Yeah. For me, I get that same that same endorphin rush out of podcasts that I get out of being on set. I really do. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Um, you know, Kelly, I know. this, I wanted to say something. Um, mm-hmm. And I've told you probably this before, but um, I really, really enjoy working and teaching acting. I enjoy working with actors and teaching Mm -hmm. acting. And, uh, you know, I've taught around the country. I've taught in LA, I've taught in New York. Uh, I I taught at a, uh, I'm not gonna mention, but uh, a college accredited film school here in Mm -hmm. LA, very, very expensive school. And maybe 10%, and I'm I'm just being honest, maybe 10% of my students at that school um, really wanted to be actors or really wanted to do, put the work in to develop a craft and have a really meaningful experience in their pursuit to be an actor. You know, whether they became a successful actor or not, they had a small percentage really had the intention of wanting to do it. With me, um, I remember Kelly, one time I went on an audition before I ever had any acting training. And I I was in a very fortunate situation that because of my commercial success and the word getting around about town about this guy who books all these commercials, there was a hype out there, a hype that I never deserved. It just (laughs) built into a hype about this guy. And um, 
I remember one time I went in on something and, and it was for the head of casting at MGM, Len Stallmaster. And he called my agent up. And I mean, I'd maybe been in business six weeks, six weeks. I didn't know anything. I went over and read for a lead in a series called Auto Man. It was, uh, gosh, I forgot his name now. It's a producer of Chips back in the day. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> his name just escaped me. But anyway, I remember to call my agent up. Of course, my agent was like a dad to me. He discovered yeah. me. He discovered, <laughs> I was on Family Feud. Uh, they had cover guys versus cover girls. They had male models, cover guys against yeah. female supermodel cover girls. And mm-hmm. I was the youngest guy. And because of my DJ background, they asked me to do a voiceover spontaneously, took me off stage, put the headphone on, gave me copy and had me do a voiceover. And I nailed the voiceover. And the next day after it aired, it aired on Tuesday night. And the next day, Wednesday, the phone started ringing. Who is this kid? Oh, my gosh. Who is it? I want to see him. I want to meet him. That sort of thing. And uh, I got calls where my manager, you know, at the time was brand new, brand. I wasn't even into acting yet. It's when I was still right. a model. Yeah. And uh, we got calls from William Morris, CAA, ICM, and David Shapiro Agency. And yeah. I remember they all wanted to take a meeting. And I was like, I don't, but who's this ICM? Who's the CAA? Oh, they're the top three. And it's, a, you know, the top three yeah. in the business. The- and David Shapiro, he's a top right. 10, but he's like down here yeah. at number seven or eight. Right. And I said, well, I, I'm not an actor. They're, these other folks are not going to be interested in me. I'm going to go to the smallest one on that list, David Shapira. I was with David for 22 years. And uh, he was, they were great. They were a wonderful agency for me. Uh, but I remember one time, uh, I was in the business six weeks, and Lynn Stallmaster, head of casting at MGM at the time, Lynn's a gentleman. Lynn was older. Lynn was like, at least 70 when I met him back then. And Len called him my agents. Oh my gosh, everything you said about that kid is right. He, boy, he walked in, he was charismatic. Boy, we loved him. By the way, this kid can't act worth shit. He was horrible. He didn't know a damn thing what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> and they were gentle. And my agent came back to me and said, Len said that they loved you. Thought you walked in to this and to that and that. But he said, you are horrible and you can't act worth shit. I said, you said that? Because he was really nice, really nice. To me. Yeah, it's exactly what he said. He said, the kid was horrible. And I said, he said I was horrible, horrible? He said, dude, you were terrible. He said dude back then. But anyway, right. I was so offended. I wasn't an actor. But I had a big enough ego that if I yeah. go in on anything, I don't care what it is. I don't even have to right. be an actor. If, you know, if I go into you know, play soccer. <laughs> if yep. I don't want anybody ever saying I'm bad at something. And that was right. one of the first times in my life that anybody ever really called me out for being bad at something. Right. And I was like, wow, I may not want to be an actor, but I'm starting to go on some of these meetings. I'm starting to audition. And last thing I want for people, I don't want people to say I suck. And that's when I started really starting to take it more seriously. Now, why didn't I start training then? It's because I started booking jobs right away. Yeah, you, know, you didn't have I, time. I was, booking, I was booking lead jobs and working right away. And I was, oh my gosh, 
I'm going to show up. Do these people know that I don't know anything? I don't know one thing about the camera. I don't, I don't, I can, yeah, I can remember those words, but I mean, Kelly, I was so green. It was embarrassing, Aww. but I pulled it all off. Yeah. And even that early stuff that I did, I actually was in the moment playing Good. myself. And uh, I also got some help from those veterans that were in scenes with me and working with me and say, Hey, I love this kid. He's a, he's a great guy. He's working. He's really trying to get this, but he has no training. And they would, they would help me, help me along. Aww. So I was very thing. fortunate and I'm, I wasn't the only one. I mean, you know, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, George Clooney, all old, not, not Cruise, but the other guys were old friends of mine. It was the same way with them. They walked yeah. into a room and people liked them and they had charisma and they were likable. And, you know, uh, Brad was from 60 miles from where I grew up. He was in Springfield. I was from Joplin. George, yep. who I knew back in the day, George was from Kentucky. He was from a, yep. you know, a well-known family, but he was from Kentucky, grew up in a small town, Kentucky, and, and went out to L.A. just a couple of years after me. But uh, there was the same way. They had a likability. Yeah. They had potential, but they were getting thrown out there before they had any training, you know? Sure. So, you know, me as a coach, I'm always saying, Get training before they see you, because once they label you as green or not ready or inexperienced or they just downright suck, they <laughs> won't ever bring you. They'll never bring you back in again. Yeah, they'll never bring true. you back in. So I'm sure some of those early people who read me said, "Yeah, the hype is BS. He's not good. I'm never going to bring him in." Thankfully, some of those people said he was green. Probably shouldn't have gone out and auditioned for me last year. But wow, a lot of improvement or I first read him three years ago, and now he's actually able now. to deliver. Yeah. But that's part of your, I mean, that's kind of a, a common thread with you with everything you do, though, because with your construction, with, you know, the bread and breakfast, and now you've got this idea percolating about a coffee shop. If you go, if you go in on anything, you go all in, and that's kind of where I want to, See where you're at now, and are you still acting? Are you what? What's your focus now, Kelly? Did you know that uh, when I was in Texas, you know, I was doing some films, and mm -hmm. I was uh, kind of a gun for hire for a couple of production companies, uh, trying to kind of help them out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the owners of one of those production companies was an oil and gas person. And he was always trying to raise money for his oil and gas. And I had written business plans when I was in college, but I started writing business plans as a favor for friends of mine who were trying to start production companies back when I was on all my children in New York. I had buddies of mm -hmm. mine. They had scripts. They had a team. And they were trying to raise money for their films. And I'd say, well, you know, let me see your business plan. Well, I just kind of got an executive summary and we kind of put this together and that. And I'd say, you know what? I'm not an expert or anything, but I have written several business plans when I was in school. And even after school, I wrote one or two. I could probably help you with this. Well, that led to kind of a sideline gig of me writing for startup production companies. That wow. led to fitness companies. Um, different uh, uh, commercial companies. Um, and then I mentioned that oil and gas friend of mine, 
Yeah. Uh, after about a year and a half, he talked me into, and he had traded his company traded on on Wall Street, and you know, yeah, his prior company. He 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 was very successful, and he had a, a stellar team. And I said, you know what? I don't really buy oil and gas, and I don't do that, and I'm not licensed, and I don't do any of that stuff. But he knew that I had a few friends that did, so he kind of stayed on me. And as it happened, I had a long, long time friend of mine from the modeling world that was a very respectable investment banker. They were licensed in about five states, Texas being one of them. They lived out here in L.A. And I just kind of ran this oil and gas deal by them one time just as a favor. And I ran mm -hmm. this oil and gas deal and they said, he's got the president, the ex-president of Anadarko, the ex-president of Exxon on his board, his team, this, this is because this person moved did oil and gas deals for eight years. Right. Well, lo and behold, that led to us raising money for this oil and gas company. Right. But the investment banker said, I hate writing business plans. I, I do all the numbers, but I hate writing business plans. And when business plans are a lot, a lot like you know, when you write one for a company, who are all the players and we're telling a good story. Well, when you're asking for millions of dollars, even though it's an ex-president of Anadarko, we still need to represent them professionally. Yep, and they weren't, being, they weren't being represented professionally. So my role within this, because I wasn't licensed and I'm not pitching, but I became the writer. And we raised money for all kinds of deals. Oh, wow. Tried to, you know, sometimes, sometimes we didn't raise money, but we did a lot of different things. And I worked with this investment banker. They did all the heavy lifting. And I'm just the writer. I'm really just the writer. And so when I was in Texas, Kelly, you know, I grew up with the horses and I did a sport called cutting. And in the cutting world, doing some celebrity events and things like that, that kind of moved me around folks in that world. I was in and around that world for 10 years, eight, nine years, 10 years. And uh, one, of the, uh, one of the folks that was in the cutting horse, real successful in the cutting horse world, um, had a wife that was a fan of daytime. Mm -hmm. And... They went to some mutual friends and said, hey, this actor who does events and hosts events and things, we want to meet him. And that led to a friendship with me and uh, two brothers that were in the network marketing healthcare business. At that time, when I met them, they'd been in it for maybe 20 years or so. And then, Kelly, when they would come out to L.A., you know, I got, I started hanging out with them and spending some time with them. And when they'd come out to LA, they one time had a, uh, not a national convention, but a regional convention in LA and they called me and I went, took my son with me. And a lot of people who were in network marketing years ago were daytime fans. A lot of them were daytime fans. Yeah. So when people would see me and remember me from the shows, they said, Oh my gosh, I remember him. And, and right. that led to me getting up and saying hello, saying some yeah. nice things, doing a little speaking. So right. more and more I started, they invited me more and more. More and more, right. I'm, I'm saying more and more. And I'm getting into 
some thoughts and and uh, some self-motivating things and some acting things there as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Using some of my acting training and some of my uh, acting technique and applying some of that towards the sales world and the self-motivation world, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And so these two guys, you know, that were very successful in their business decide that they want to bring me in and start my own deal. Whoa. And so back in 2012, I didn't realize it, but them and their team of attorneys started doing due diligence on me, finding out, hey, we've been friends with this guy since 04. And everybody seems to like him. And our sales field, they had 60,000 IBOs at the time, has responds really well to him. Uh, and we think we want to bring him in to start something to offset the risk that they were taking with Obamacare coming in and possibly right. affecting the healthcare and insurance business. Sure, sure. So right. they decide to start a financial services company. And after doing their due diligence with me, they invite me to come back to their 2,500-acre cattle ranch in southwest Missouri, where I happen to be from, and spend three days you know, riding horses, riding quads and talking business, talking business. And at that time, I was just getting ready to take a job uh, with a company called Ride TV. It's 24-hour horse network called Ride TV. Some of your listeners may know it. Mm -hmm. They're out of Fort Worth. And I've been in talks with them at that time for about nine weeks and, and I was going to go do something with them. So while I was in Dallas meeting, getting ready to meet with them, the other guys catch wind that I'm going to take a job with Ride TV. And they called me up and said, can you swing by? And I, anyway, I swung by their corporate headquarters in Dallas in Plano. They brought me to the boardroom. We talked for two couple of hours with the executives, them and some other executives with the company. And then some attorney comes in and he puts a big fat contract in front of my face with a big advance. And they said, if you would come in here uh, and start this other company for us, it'll be your deal. We'll set you up in that. You create the whole company. You've written your business plans. They had read, they had read my business plans and they, they knew They had a real good understanding and they did their due diligence. They called people that I had worked for and done things with. Oh, I, mean, I was getting they phone calls that, hey, these guys, you know, have invited them. They were literally doing their due diligence on me. And so, Kelly, at that particular time, what I really love about uh, life uh, in general is I love creating and building things. Yeah, I love creating and building actors. I love. Yep. I love production. I love telling stories and creating every aspect that producers are involved with and creating stories. And uh, when I had the opportunity to launch a business uh, and develop an independent sales team all around me, Mm -hmm. that meant I created everything from the name to the branding, to the logos, all the copywriting all the legality, Uh, Mm -hmm. I had to learn the business. So I went and there was another company Mm -hmm. uh, that did what we did. 
Mm-hmm. But I was going to be outsourcing to that company. They were the number one company in the nation at this particular uh, area yeah. of expertise. Mm-hmm. And I, because I was outsourcing and potentially be outsourcing a lot of business to them because of the large sales field that we had with the parent company, right? They, uh, the CEO of this company basically had me spend eight weeks with him every single day, including Saturday and Sunday. We spent mm-hmm. from breakfast to dinner. He was a single guy and uh, breakfast to dinner. And he taught me everything about that business. And then all of my own learning, everything, I went back and created this other company. So for me, it was the first time that I ever walked away from acting. But wow. I walked away from acting in 2012, and I did that up through 2017. And uh, a tremendous experience. I really, really, it's, it's very much like producing a movie. Of course, I did my videos and my sales presentation. Oh, absolutely. All my certification, all of my employees uh, that <clears throat> handled my product all had to be certified. And I wrote all the certification testing and training. I wrote an 86 page, you know, training manual, sure. uh, everything. I love all that process and that creativity. I really, really enjoy it. It's similar in many ways to producing. It's similar oh, yeah. to acting. And let me tell you how it was similar to acting. Uh, whereas, you know, I like to tell stories and I tell a few jokes yep. along the way. When I yep. was a CEO of a company, I told myself before I ever walked foot into the corporate headquarters that the personality and the jokes and the guy that I normally was as an actor, I can't be that guy. I have to be a leader. I have to be a person that immediately that my staff, my sales field, my future sales field that I'm developing, they have to understand that I have the vision. And I have the ability to handle challenges and obstacles as they as they as they arise. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I did have to put a bit of a game face on, you know, uh, in that um, it's still my friendly, you know, affable self. But uh, I'm not an entertainer. I'm only an entertainer when I'm leading my national sales convention, which I used to do. Then I get up and I do my thing and tell my story and a few jokes and do a few impressions and all that. Right. But, uh, but absolutely, when you're in the role of leadership and people get up every day and they work for you and they put their livelihood and their family's livelihood and their mortgage payment and their future on you, you have to definitely exude uh, uh, a certain level of confidence and, and they have to be uh, confident that you are the right person at the helm. And that them dedicating all of this and taking risks on your behalf to come and work for you, that they're in the right place and that they're under good leadership, you know. So I love that role. I love that role, Kelly. I I wouldn't want to do it all the time, uh, but I really love I love that role. So yeah, I as I go through life, I I do kind of play my best hand every day. I always tell my Mm -hmm. wife. I play that best hand every day. Sometimes it takes me in different directions, but um, I really enjoy uh, doing a variety of things. 
And yeah. uh, I've got a nice little sideline copywriting, uh, sideline thing that I've done. I've done mm -hmm. my coaching. Uh, yep. I've done some public speaking coaching. I really enjoy that. That's uh, coaching I enjoy. But at the same time, you know, I don't want to go out and build houses, but I like to, I like to flip a few every now and then, you know, <laughs> I love architecture. I love real yeah. estate. Um, you know, I, 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 I love dabbling around sometimes with investments and things. I just have a wide variety of interests. And that, uh, that's what keeps you going, huh? I, I just, uh, I love life. I'm so thankful mm -hmm. that, um, so thankful Kelly, that I am, I'm in a place in my life to where I can explore different things and uh, I can fail at those things and I'm okay. I can succeed at it, but I'm okay, you know, but yeah. um, I'm very fortunate. I live, I live pretty modestly, you know, I'm a pretty simple guy. I'm, I, right. I'm, 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 I'm a brother. I always say, you know, my favorite thing is enjoying a great cup of coffee with a friend. That's my favorite there thing. There you go. Well, Out of all things I do, I enjoy a great cup of coffee with a friend. Well, it's been great to talk to you, but you come down to Texas, so you have to come to the coffee shop and I'll make you a perfect cup of coffee. I guarantee Man. you. And it's I can't wait to do it. You know, when you and I spoke before, you know, I did all of this. I put quite a bit of time into looking, you know, where you're at and everything, mm -hmm. because I'm always looking in life for where I might want to go, might want to be. Uh, right. Been out here in California for a long time. As you know, I've had two stints. I lived in Dallas for uh, yep. four or five years. Right. Uh, I've lived as much as five or six months a year in Houston. Right. Uh, I've done that several times. So I love Houston. I lived in New York yep. City. Yep. For five years, I've lived, yep. in, I've lived in Vancouver. Uh, so, and I've always kept my homes here in LA. You know, I've always yep. kept kept here. But I really do. Uh, life is beautiful. You know, uh, yep. I'm always. I, I I don't know what lies ahead. And I think that's the beauty of it, Kelly. I think that's right, and I look forward to hearing the next chapters of what you're going to write. And I do, you know appreciate you actually being on my podcast. It means a lot to me. I've always looked up to you, but I've also watched you grow and watched you change. And I think that's, for me, that's inspiring. So again, I do appreciate you so much. Hey, Kelly, can I just say one thing really sure. quick? I started to go down this road a little bit and I got sidetracked. And I, sorry for that. That's all. Uh, no what worries, I started dude. to say about my acting students is that you are one of the most professional, focused, ambitious actors that I ever worked with ever anywhere and I always had so much respect for your dedication and just how committed you have always been to everything you do I was yep. honored to have you as a student because when I looked at a guy like yourself who's had the success that you've had and yet yeah. you've had this desire and passion to tell stories to be an actor and you're willing to go out you know, in your late thirties or thirties, whatever it was when I met you years ago yeah. and lay on the line and do it. And yeah. man, I can't tell you how honored I was to work with someone like you and how much I admired you 
All you had to do is hear I was in the area and you were there. You were on board. You You drink up life. I love that about you. And I have so much respect for you uh, in, in that regard, Kelly. Don't ever lose that, brother. It's it's such a great quality. We're going to be friends forever. But awesome. uh, I really uh, I really love that. Uh, I learned a lot from you, and, and you raised the bar. When I would look at you and, and see what you, were, what you were giving up, you know, on your day to come out and how committed you were, it, mm-hmm. it drove me. It inspired me to want to teach. It inspired me to to want to help more people like you who wanted to step outside their comfort zone and try something yeah. new, you know? So I just want you to know uh, that I've, I've said to you before that I have a lot yeah. of admiration for you, but uh, I just want you to know uh, it's very inspiring for me, Kelly. Well, I appreciate that, buddy. It's good to talk to you. I hope everybody's safe and well out there Thank and you. we will catch up later. I'm sure. Okay, Kelly. Sounds great. Good to see you, buddy. Stay in the loop, my friend. All the best to your audience. Bye-bye.